Hi, Sachin. Hey, good morning. Uh, so, Sachin, uh, since we locked, uh, last talked, which has been a while uh, due mm-hmm. to various uh, reasons. Uh, so, uh, we had covered developer uh, productivity and best way to measure uh, output of a, a developer and how it affects the outcome. Right. And uh, we had uh, suggested that we stay away from some dysfunctional metrics like um, um, velocity, so on and so forth. And what we had done was we have this uh, point of view on engineering excellence leading to business outcome uh, model, uh, which we think applies to a team. And yeah. we said that, hey, a subset of it can apply uh, to a developer. And uh, let me quickly uh, share my screen. Uh, this is uh, the ThoughtWorks Insight article uh, that you uh, wrote. And I think we have a summary of it here. And, uh, you know, what we, dis- what we have been uh, talking about and um, advocating uh, is uh, these uh, seven metrics as um, a better or an extended version over just the four key metrics of DevOps. Uh, because um, in our opinion, I mean, we have done this uh, and I'll kind of just leave it at this. And we realized that these are for a team. And yeah. uh, we have heard a lot of feedback from various uh, engineering managers we talk to, various uh, engineering leadership we talk to and say that, you know, uh, hey, uh, and one of the feedback that really uh, got me thinking is that, um, hey, uh, you know, we, we understand that, um, you know, measuring a developer's output is a very, uh, you know, it's an activity that can go in various wrong directions and not lead to any positive outcome and not really lead to any uh, development of a developer or may need to lead to a better outcome for the organization. But in absence of those, give me alternatives, right? And unless I don't know where the developer is doing well, where the developer is not doing well, how can I help that individual developer, right? So don't yeah. always assume bad intentions when someone is trying to measure a developer. True. So uh, the, with that in mind, I mean, uh, you know, uh, we've, we've all heard the stories, you know, um, tools that measure how many times screen uh, uh, saver goes off in your uh, machine, how many times your laptop is moving. I mean, th- those things exist. And while, um, you know, we, we, we don't want to attribute uh, ill intention, but knowingly, unknowingly, these things do creep up. Yeah, and uh, the re- and quick recap. The reason we kind of uh, I went on this journey and uh, joined you was that when I objected about this kind of uh, tools to um, um, see uh, a head of IT of a large bank, the you know the response I got from her was that um, okay, if you don't like these, give me something better. Right, and that's kind of started us on this journey. So now that we are on this journey, we know that these. We feel these make sense for a team. What can we propose which makes sense to a developer? And uh, the ones that you uh, discussed last time were um, security warnings. How many security warnings a developer's code is introducing is a good thing uh, to monitor, take debt, and lead time. Sounded good. 
but then uh, in past couple of weeks, I've got a lot of feedback saying that uh, maybe lead time is not the best measure of um, an outcome of a developer because not everything in lead time is control in control of an individual developer. So I wanted to spend some time here. So can you go back, um, you know, recall lead time? And, uh, you know, as the standard definition exists, uh, what, what was going in your mind when you suggested lead time? And, uh, you know, let's take it from there. Absolutely, Dinkar. Um, so think about lead time as, by the way, these four key metrics are software delivery performance metrics. What do we mean by that is how your team is actually delivering software. And uh, there are a few characteristics which it is measures. Example is how fast the code is going to production, uh, how frequently it is going to production, what is the, the impact of the code going to production in terms of is it causing any failures or degradation into the systems. And even if let's say you had some degradations, how quickly you are able to recover from that. So that is typically how software delivery uh, performance is measured. Uh, the reason why I believe lead time is a good metric uh, for individuals as well is very simple. Lead time for a team is about how many, uh, like you could be sending like let's say 50 or 100 commits uh, every time you go to production. And then what is the average time or life uh, of that each commit from uh, once it is created into the Git repository to going to production. So you take an average of it and that's your typically lead time for a particular time interval. Now in such an, uh, sorry to interrupt, I want to call out one thing and this is also something we have been hearing the business lead time versus the lead time as defined uh, here, right? So the business lead time kind of is, uh, since a business made a request uh, and then when that request actually went into the production, so the business can actually uh, start using it. And I think a lot of people are focused on that also because that also kind of takes even larger point of view of not just the IT, but also business compliance and everything. So I think uh, one thing I want to clarify is we are not referring to business lead time here. We are focused on the technical definition of lead time. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't call it technical definition, but you are right. It is a subset. It is, we are talking only about software delivery lead time, not mm -hmm. actually the feature lead time. Uh, and right. you precisely pointed out uh, when you are thinking about larger context of when the idea was created, put it into some sort of like tracking systems like Jira or something else, and then curated, uh, you narrowed the scope down, started development, and then took it into production. That's much larger interval. Although what lead time we are talking about of software delivery is a subset of that business lead time. Um, but you can actually choose to track it differently. And now coming back to the software delivery lead time, in isolation, um, the criticism is absolutely right. That individual can, does not control all the factors which affect lead time. So what if my if I am part of a uh, team and the team does not have automated path to production? You're absolutely right. My I don't control when the code goes to production. There is a, uh, let's say, a cloud ops team which comes into picture or there is a release, ma release management team 
they come into picture they merge all the code they make sure that everything is uh, right there is a manual testing process and then they push that code into production yes obviously the lead time would be higher because i don't control that uh, but the question which i want to ask is that will be constant for your team as well so whatever everybody does not control is constant for everyone hmm. so if i have 10 developers in my team all of them are affected by exactly same drag it could be uh, those type of things and uh, we are always proponents of not absolute numbers but trend lines right so the baseline kind of takes right. care of you know uh, uh, the underlying inefficiencies of the pipeline yes. in general and okay. statistical methods have addressed this at large Mm -hmm. uh, in various places. See, there are methods in which you can actually normalize. Uh, you can identify a cohort in which these developers fall in. There are some people who are constantly pushing code on a consistent basis in shorter time compared to the other cohorts. Mm -hmm. And those are the people. And uh, Dinkar, you and I have talked this to uh, ad nauseum that we do not intend to consume these numbers in isolation. Right. These are not your like scorecards. These are not your GPAs. You should actually contextualize this in reality. So if I am looking at these numbers and I identify four cohorts, one sorry, cohort... such an uh, GPA cards, not GPS card. Oh, GPA. Uh, did I say GPS? <laughs> yeah, you said GPS. I think. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, GPAs. Uh, so when you are talking about uh, those grade point averages, those are different. But here, what we intend to do is have those four cohorts and you compare them. Okay, why this cohort is always outperforming to the other ones. Mm. Uh, and that conversation is far more important to me rather than the absolute number itself. In fact, I don't even uh, worry about if somebody actually has two days more lead time than the other ones. Right. It could be also possible, Dinkar, that there is a group of people who are actually pushing code faster their lead time is lower but they are actually introducing more bugs right so it is that's it where is, the tech debt and security warning like all three needs to be kind of put together rather than saying that you know developer a has got the best lead time and gets a you know amazon certificate and developer b has least it cannot be just these it's have right. to be in a unition absolutely so you you need to contextualize that analyze it figure out whether this is making sense or not. And um, uh, obviously, uh, if certain developers are actually pushing code recklessly into production, then there is also a good chance that your mean time to restore change field percentage will also start showing that trend is affecting. Uh, the reason why we are not contextualizing mean time to restore and change field percentage to individuals is because there are multiple factors which could right. cause that. And uh, a more deeper thorough analysis is required. So that's why I still believe lead time, if you contextualize that relative to your team, that is extremely valuable individual metric. Right. But if you are thinking about putting lead time uh, the same way you put it for a team, only one line which is going, wiggly uh, line, uh, then it may be misrepresenting data. Right. But if you actually say, hey, here is an average, here is the lowest uh, cohort here is the highest uh, performing cohort and here is your developer right now that gives you a frame of reference that okay there is a cohort which is and we can actually do this in percentiles there is 
Uh, you know helping a developer uh, kind of uh, comes into picture and uh, you know uh, I, i don't think we have talked a little bit uh, uh, much about thoughtworks polaris the Great. tool that uh, you and i have developed uh, for this uh, purpose and it has an aspect of remediation where uh, you know uh, the tool also suggests what kind of conversations to have with the team with the developer Uh, to uh, help if um, uh, metric is not performing very well and i think this is a place where an engineering manager uh, uh, you know has a conversation uh, with the individual developer and say that hey these are what your metrics are showing me these are possible remediations we can do and try to understand what's going on and uh, you know how to, how to help an individual developer that's precisely what is expected you um you should not try to um just look at these numbers and conclude and pass on a judgment that this person is not performing what if the person is actually taking time um uh, to perform certain things and that is causing them delay or uh, they have a habit of putting all the code onto a feature branch and then bringing only uh, when they are almost like 8 90% ready into the main branch that's just a small tweak of behavior you can change to quickly improve your metrics there's so, one more uh, sorry such an uh, sorry i'm interrupting you a lot right but uh, there's one more scenario we have seen is uh, where um, in a lot of uh, you know large enterprises there are set of developers who kind of because of their seniority and experience pick mm-hmm. up the most complex problems while as oh, the yeah. junior and the new commerce kind of pick up the uh, you know um, less complex problem that that can also lead to this and that's where i think the context uh, becomes very important and not looking at this in isolation becomes uh, very important uh, that's a very interesting point i never thought about it uh, but in reality dinkar that shouldn't matter much if okay. let's say uh, an experienced developer is picking up a very complex feature the philosophy of software delivery for high delivery performance would be is you continue to push code into production even if it is in development stage today as long as you are not breaking the overall build so there are methods available where you do feature toggles or you are just not calling that code yet it is not reachable mm-hmm. in the standard production flow right so there are methods available so people who are experienced they should be able to take advantage of all these methods tools techniques so that they can continue to push code to production mm-hmm. yes in this case case your uh, business lead time will be massive because the feature was right. complex yes. yes so that is completely understood but in terms of software delivery lead time if these people are worth their salt it should actually shouldn't matter much okay i hear you makes sense so a quick recap uh, sachin um the uh, if you look at it in isolation uh, yes uh, on the first blush it seems like lead time may not be the best metric 
but we have always been talking about looking at things. Um, I don't like the word holistic. Looking at the things in a context, right? And that that's where the importance of lead time as an indicator of an individual's uh, outcome uh, becomes very important. And as usual, right, the purpose of having these metrics is to help someone improve, uh, you know, deliver better code and deliver, uh, you know, be, uh, you know, business outcome faster. And this is the, with the remediations uh, handbook or any other methodology of helping a developer, getting them trainings, uh, more, uh, you know, um, peer-to-peer learning, uh, these can be improved. So uh, as a summary, then I uh, think that, uh, can I say that you stand by your opinion that lead time is a very good developer outcome metric? Yeah, definitely better than num- uh, measuring number of commits per week. Uh, because that does not indicate what am I doing, how well it is. At least now I know that, okay, I made a lot of uh, code commits that is contribution is taken care of plus it is also going to production and uh, dinkar there are statistical methods which you can use to address all these concerns so you can also say that what if let's say sachin is so sure and he is very defensive and sachin wants to commit only code which is easy to go to production so that his number is pristine then in that situation i may be uh, 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 adding one more dimension to my measurement is how many commits. So what is the uh, uh, sample size which I'm talking about? Is it like 50 uh, uh, commits, 100 commits? Mm-hmm. I can actually take a time interval. There are like various ways in which you can address that. So yes. uh, people can address, identify these problems and uh, like ma- contextualize this in a very fair manner without any uh, ostracizing one person out of the team. And uh, Sachin, I think this lays foundation for the next uh, podcast we should have. Uh, we have been talking about assets, asset-based consulting. And I think one of the things uh, an organization can do to have a uniform outlook on these numbers and apply this uniform or similar statistical uh, analysis on top of it. So there is uh, that kind of baseline which is happening. Uh, I think uh, it's very important that the things you said, right? Uh, There are tools available, there are methodologies available. Maybe they need to encode them into in some form um, in whatever tool, uh, you know, maybe it's a Google sheet or an Excel sheet, or maybe someone creates something very complex and scalable depending upon the size of the team that they have uh, to manage. And I think, uh, you know, that's, Primarily where ThoughtWorks Polaris uh, is also uh, kind of useful, though, uh, you know, not everyone may have access to it. But what I was thinking is maybe in the next podcast, we can go back to asset-based consulting assets and kind of uh, take this as an example and see if how we can help uh, other organizations or uh, others who are listening to these podcasts take this as an example and probably envision a an asset and uh, build something which is uh, across the organization, establishes a common approach and is systemized. So there is least amount of uh, manual thing uh, going on. So there's a much more um, consistent way of looking at developers. Yeah, absolutely. We should do that. Yeah. This was a short one. I think one of the feedbacks we got was that it gets a little long, keep it short. 
So we'll see how short we can uh, keep these. Definitely, we are not aiming for YouTube shots and we are aiming for these uh, discussions to be th uh, thorough and kind of discuss it out like usually you and I do. Um, Absolutely. And uh, sometimes it might be short, sometimes it might be long, but we'll see. Uh, that's yes. all for today. Thanks, Sachin, for your time. Thank yeah, you so much, Indir. I, I like Bye. your show, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. 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 Yeah.